Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. There were two more murders 15 miles away. We have a weird described by one investigator as reminiscent of a weird religion. Every country has that one notorious crime that everyone knows about. The details may get hazy here and there, especially if the time period is one long gone, but the impression never leaves. On March 7, 1932, five people in Stockholm, Sweden, lost their lives. This is the story of Sweden's most notorious crime, the Von Sido murders. So, if you like your coffee hot but your bones chilled, sit back and start your day with a morning cup of murder. The von Sydow family was unlike most in early 1900 Sweden. While most were poor and struggling to live, the von Sydows were living a highly successful, opulent life. Yalmar von Sydow was a lawyer turned politician who was extremely well-known and well-respected. Yet, at home, he led his family with the same heavy hand he handled politics with. His wife, who gave birth to the couple's three daughters and son, was diagnosed with, quote, weak nerves, a term used to describe her worsening depression. She was prescribed morphine for her illness, and, with the drug readily available at home, her son Frederick soon became addicted to the substance. She soon passed from a combination of her depression and drug use, leaving her children with their, authorita- leaving her children with their authoritarian father. Frederick soon became a lasting problem for his father. He was a wild child, a constant prankster, an intelligent boy who never had to work for what he was given. He was rude, arrogant, and stole money whenever he got the chance. He was also an alcoholic and a drug addict. The only thing he seemed to care about as much as his next fix was his childhood sweetheart, Ingen. However, both his father and Ingen's didn't want to see the couple together. They met in 1923 when they were just 14 and 15, and from the beginning, the men tried to keep them apart. Their plan hit a speed bump when, in 1928, Ingen got pregnant. She was sent away to become thin and left her little girl in Milan with family. Frederick, in the meantime, signed up for university and began studying law like his father. But he remained the ultimate party boy. When Ingen came back, the two eloped without their father's knowledge. They were furious, but since they were of age, there was little the men could do. Except, they could still control the money. So, Yalmar decided they could remain married, but 
could not live together. Ingen, who remained with her father, convinced him to let their daughter, who was about one and a half years old, to come live with her and raise her now that she was officially married. So the couple and their daughter spent all of their time together, and things seemed to be going well for the von Sidows. But by 1931, Frederick began to spiral out of control. His drinking and drug use were worsened, and he was hemorrhaging money, his father's money. His habits caused him to neglect his little family. One night, while out looking for Frederick during one of his benders, Ingun found a group of his friends who invited her to join them for dinner. Frederick was in the restaurant and, for some reason, saw this as a betrayal. He yelled at Ingun and was seen with another woman the next morning. She had had enough. She told her father to find her a job away from Frederick, and he gladly agreed. She packed her bags, filed for divorce, and fled to freedom with her daughter. However, an accident would bring Frederick back into her life. In April of 1931, he fell asleep while smoking and caught his bed on fire. In order to escape, he had to throw himself out of a five-story window. Helpless, Frederick turned to the only woman he loved to care for him. He spent his time with Ingen and their daughter, recovering from his injuries in the Von Sitto's summer home. And though he was physically recovering, his drug use only worsened. This all brings us to March 7, 1932. The morning started out like normal. Yalmar left for work while his daughter and their 16-year-old cousin who was staying at the Von Sido apartment went to school. This left just Frederick in the home with their cook, Caroline Harrow, and housekeeper, Ebba Ham. Caroline had been with the family for a little over a year, while Ebba, who wanted to leave home to see the world, had just begun to work for the Von Sido home. Both women, just one week before, went to the Swedish Unemployment Center trying to apply for a new job. None were available, and they continued to work for the family. After a lunch out with Ingen and their daughter, Frederick came back to the apartment. Around 3.30 p.m., Yalmar came home from work and was instantly cornered by his son asking for one last loan. The argument grew heated, Ebba and Caroline witnessing the whole event. But when Frederick punched his father, it became too much for Ebba and she left the room. Suddenly, Frederick took an iron that was sitting in the room and began smashing his father in the head while Caroline watched on. He then turned his wrath on her before going to find Ebba and doing the same. While all three clung to life, Frederick called the only person he could think, Ingen. She rushed over and began to help her husband clean the blood from the floors and lock the rooms where the bodies lie. When his sister and cousin returned home, they were surprised to see a stain on the floor. Incan said it was only wine, but after seeing the blood-stained bathtub and hearing strange groans coming from the bedrooms, the girls ran next door and called police. The police were immediately alerted to who the killer was, but by the time they arrived, the couple had fled. After going to random locations, one of which was to the home of a friend who was a competitive shooter, the pair ended up in a restaurant in Uppsala around 8 p.m. By then, the police were closing in on them. The police instructed the waiter to ask Frederick to come to the back of the restaurant so they could speak with him. Ingen joined her husband. When the pair arrived to speak to police, they informed Ingen that they wanted to speak with her husband alone and asked her to step away. Frederick walked over to his wife, 
whispered something in her ear, pulled out a gun, and then shot her in the head. And before police could do anything, he pulled the gun on himself. No one knows why Frederick chose to kill his father and the women that day. And no one knows if, in the end, Inga knew she was going to die. All that is known is that five people lost their lives after a tragic love story not unlike Romeo and Juliet. Thank you for joining me in my morning cup of murder. Please join me again tomorrow to hear what terrible thing happened on March 8th. Don't forget to rate and subscribe and let me know how you like it. If you want to help support the podcast, there's always Patreon or just sharing it with your true crime obsessed friends. And remember, stay safe. Thank you for listening to Morning Cup of Murder. This is a daily podcast that tells you what happened on this day in true crime history. In short, easy to listen to episodes that you can finish on your commute or while you enjoy your morning coffee. So make sure you check back every morning. My name is Karina. I am the creator and host. You can find Morning Cup of Murder on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. I have also set up a Patreon where you can donate a small monthly contribution to the podcast. All those links are in the episode description. Thank you again and have a wonderful day.